For fellow uh, Gen Xers like myself, like me, um, growing up in the post-conciliar church, the post-Vatican II church, I was born in 71. So growing up in the late 70s and early 80s in the church, uh, the experience was, um, what shall we say, a bit chaotic. There was a whole lot of experimentation going on, a whole lot of um, sort of ideas being bandied about, et cetera, that seemed to convey a faith that was not all that stable, or at least in the practice of it. And so a lot of Gen X priests, like myself, tend to be a little bit more uh, conservative in some ways because of our experience of the church being sort of not rooted. Um, again, a lot of a lot of just, well, it was crazy. It was crazy what you boomers did to us. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, I'll tell you one story. At a particular church in Maricopa County, um, this is back when I was playing music in churches, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I'm just doing a gig, so I'm like, just you know, you can do whatever you want. Just tell me when to start the song. But they said, well, for Advent, for each of the four Sundays of Advent, we're going to do something before Mass begins. It's going to be kind of special because we really want to highlight the gospel, the theme of the gospel. So what we're going to do is we're going to have mimes. Mime the be at the beginning of Mass, they're going to mime the theme of the gospel. Now, I do believe that being a mime professionally is probably very much an art form. But they didn't get those kind of mimes. <laughs> they got volunteer mimes. And after the first week, nobody knew what in the world they were doing. So in subsequent weeks, they had to have a commentator explain what the miming was, which in my head, I'm like, doesn't that kind of vitiate the whole idea of, you know, anyway. That was just one example. So there are these different experiences, you know, my generation had with the church, and it kind of led us to a place, especially when you became a priest, of, of wanting a little bit more solid foundation. Um, but I understand, you know, now I historically sort of uh, understanding history and how things happen after councils and, you know, understanding the different generations and et cetera. You know, now it all kind of falls into place and it kind of makes sense to me how things transpired the way they did. But there were a few things that, um, you know, I think were taught that they got wrong. And one is this, and this one's really, really important. It's not a little thing. It's a big thing. It has everything to do with this gospel. And it would be the sentiment that the Old Testament is about law and Jesus is all about love. Something I heard a lot growing up is that Jesus is all about love. He's not about law. He's not about law. It's not true. It's just simply not true. Now, I read you the, the short version of the gospel. I read the long version at the last mass, but, you know, I'm getting a little tired, so I read the short one. But the, <laughs> the opening line of the long version is, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Jesus did not come to end God's laws. He came to bring them to their fullest expression and meaning. 
So remember a couple weeks ago, I taught about the Beatitudes, okay? And the Beatitudes are to the New Testament, really what the Ten Commandments are to the Old. But they're really distinct um, in, in many ways. But one way that we can think of it is this. The Ten Commandments are about actions, particularly actions we ought not do, and some that we ought to do, but that, you know, do this or don't do this. The Beatitudes are really more focused on becoming or being. And so what they do is they show that the law does not exist for the sake of itself, but it exists to bring about a new type of being. Think of it this way. You're teaching your kids chores. A lot of kids here have chores. I had a zillion chores. It was horrible. I had all kinds of chores. But, you know, you get chores. But the goal of doing the chores is not so that you, you know, you're 18 and you move out of the house and you can put on your, your job application that I'm really good at doing chores. It's not about that. I mean, when you're in the home, yeah, you got to do the chores. You got to follow the, the law, the rules, and all the rest. Sure, of course. But the goal is greater than just keeping the commandment. The goal is that children become responsible. Children understand that they need to contribute, right? I, was, I think I just talked, maybe I talked about this last week or the week before I used the same example. But the goal is that they become a certain type of person. Think of it another way. You live your entire life and you don't kill anybody. Good job. Um, and you go to heaven, or let's say you go to the gates, right? And, you know, the imagery we have. Let's say you go to be judged. You have this conversation with Jesus. And you say, well, hey, you know, on my behalf, I didn't kill anybody. You can imagine him saying, well, that's, thank God for that. Or thank me for that. Yeah. So it's sort of the bare minimum in that sense. The Ten Commandments are really just the beginning of the moral life. They're just the beginning of discipleship. And if we evaluate our fidelity to God just based on the bare minimum, we're not really going to have access to what Jesus wants from us. I'll give you another example. Valentine's Day is coming up, men. Just a reminder, Valentine's Day is coming up. Imagine saying to your beloved, your beloved, who has stood through you thick and thin, you're a mess and you know it, and she's still there. She bore your children. And imagine saying to her, honey, I love you so much. What is, what is the bare minimum of how I need to express that? Because I'll do that. You know, what is the least amount of things I need to do so that you're okay? <laughs> that is not a good Valentine's Day card. <laughs> right? So you get the point, right? The, the Ten Commandments are the bare minimum, and they're necessary. But they're not the goal. The goal isn't merely keeping the commandments. The goal is being and becoming. Being and becoming someone who is like Jesus. That's what the Beatitudes stand for, and that's why the Beatitudes fulfill the old law. That's why Jesus fulfills the old law, because he puts it all together. You can think of it as sort of maturing 
in the moral and spiritual life. I mean, it begins with the do's and the don'ts, absolutely, just like it does for the little kids. It starts there. But ideally, we want to become mature Christians, mature Catholics. And that means really easing into this or leaning into this relational aspect. You see, Jesus doesn't want us merely to follow the laws. He wants us to give him our hearts. He wants our hearts. He wants us. He really, really wants our love. He wants that relationship. That's what he desires. And and then he wants to give us all kinds of great things because of it that he can't give us if we're not in relationship. It's not that he doesn't want to give it to us, but there are certain things you can't have if you're not in relationship. You know, the vine and the branches. If you're cut off from, from the vine, you don't get the nourishment. So you stay connected. As Catholics, we stay connected, right? We do the Catholic stuff. It works. It does work. We, we fail and we confess our sins and, and then we get back into the sacramental life and we receive that grace, rinse and repeat over and over and over. And the goal is not merely that we're observant Catholics. The goal is that we're being transformed and we're opening ourselves to allow Jesus to transform us however he will. What the Lord ultimately wants to give us is everything, everything that was given to him, heaven, earth, the kingdom of God, everything. That's what's in store for us. That's what he promised, and we trust him. And so let's work on being and becoming, just getting in that process of allowing the Lord to continue to transform us. Please stand.